0: Welcome back to the Bonsai Wire Podcast. We took a little break for the holidays, but we're back for another exciting episode. This week, Jonas and Michael sit down for a chat with Carmen Leskoviensky. She's currently the Bonsai Collection Specialist at the University of Michigan Mathai Botanical Gardens and the Nichols Arboretum. Let's jump right into that conversation.
1: As far as we know, there's nothing we need to say by way no. of introduction. Mostly just want to no. like hear how you're doing, see what's going no. on. Absolute. Uh, Absolutely. It's good to see you. It's been a little <laughs> while.
2: Yeah, it has. Uh, yeah, I was just getting <laughs> memories in my Facebook newsfeed of when we went to Japan last year. Um, apparently it's been a year. So.
0: Jonas was just telling me about that and you yeah. were there for a uh, kind of an azalea tour, right? Was
2: yeah. Yeah. It was originally supposed to be a buying trip. Um, uh I had gone mel- mel goldstein was supposed to come um but he was having some surgery and couldn't come but um I was still invited to come along, so we went to a bunch of different azalea nurseries and um had to see a bunch of different stuff. It was cool
0: hmm neat so um what though? So, so we're, we're starting in the middle here somewhere. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're already deep into bonsai here in Japan. So, so just for a little bit of background, uh, or maybe even further back, but, so not even just starting with bonsai, but uh, okay, D- deep in the depths of time, uh, you're, you're, you're 12 and a half where, where are you living and what are you engaged with? <laughs> where am I living
2: now? Yeah, and what am no, I, no,
0: no. When you were 12 and a half. <laughs> oh, when I was 12 and a half.
2: Okay. When I was 12 and a half, I was, um, <laughs> um, I was living in, sorry, my dog is in the room and she just whined at me. Um, I was living in Ortonville, Michigan. Um, I grew up there. Uh, we had about three acres. Um, it's kind of rural.
0: So, What part of Michigan is this? So,
2: Workingville, Michigan is located um, in the southeast portion. It's about Mm -hmm. an hour north of Detroit and an hour south of Flint. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, we had three Mm -hmm. acres. Um, It was fairly rural. Uh, My dad built the house, and there were a fair number of landscapes on the property. Um, There was a swamp. Uh, My dad planted a bunch of scotch pine in the backyard, so there was like a little pine forest, and then there was just kind of a bunch of deciduous forest out front. And my grandparents actually lived right next door. Um, my dad built their house as well. And so we pretty much had six acres to explore and play on. And we did very much.
0: Hmm. Wow. mm mm-hmm. So you didn't find nature later in life. You were, you, oh, you no. were invested I was, early. Okay.
2: Yeah, we always had a, a vegetable <laughs> garden growing up, and we had chickens that first we raised for meat. And then once my brother and I realized what was going on, we switched to just raising them for eggs. Um, hmm. But I do remember chicken butchering. That was interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, there was a little flower garden over by the chicken coop um, that my parents would let my brother and I, <clears throat> every spring we would go to the the local greenhouse and we were each allowed to buy a flat of flowers and plant a little triangle over by the the chicken coop.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um, so then jumping forward a little bit, um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you, you do have a, a horticulture background, um, yes. right? How did, how did that start? What, what tell, tell us about your studies.
2: Sure. Um, So I went to Michigan State University. And when I got there, I didn't really know what I wanted to go into. Um, I did go there because they had a great horticulture program and I was considering it, but I was also considering um, teaching like elementary school level and anthropology. So um, I was lucky enough, I was able to take a couple different classes in each of those subjects my first year. Um, And so I mean, I liked all of them, but horticulture seemed like the most natural for me. So I switched over to officially being in the horticulture program, and um, mm. I graduated with my bachelor's.
0: Mm. So you had a lot of interests, and then you honed in on horticulture. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah. It felt like a really <laughs> natural move. Like Everything mm-hmm. else would be a little bit mm-hmm. kind of out of my comfort zone, but mm-hmm. this was really easy
0: hmm. You, you mentioned at one point uh, to me that you were interested in women's studies or did, did I mm-hmm. get that wrong? Yeah. You no, said that no, was another, right. um, another piece. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I've been thinking about I've been toying with the idea of going back for a master's for a few years. Um, and I've been looking at all the different options and women's studies, uh, women and gender studies is something that's really interesting to me. Um, but I also really love plant physiology so I've been looking at interdisciplinary <laughs> programs that would allow me to kind of do both and mm-hmm. connect them in a way that would be useful for what I do um, and kind of where I want to go.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this might be a good segue into Bonsai. Tell us about the event that began this all.
2: Uh, so it's, it's like a long process of um, serendipitous events. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't ever plan on doing anything with bonsai. Um, I had seen them when I was a teenager. I think at the, the um, Arboretum in North Carolina. Uh, my brother lives there and we would visit all the time. Um, so I saw him there, but I was working for um, the university uh, doing a completely different horticultural thing um and a position opened up that included the care of the bonsai collection and i very distinctly remember like while i was talking with one of the who was our um associate director about the position she mentioned something that oh you'd be caring for the bonsai collection as well and i was like oh we have a bonsai collection like i was so (laughs) far away from like what what even we even have this i didn't even really realize it um so i was so focused on the other thing that i was doing um but huh. uh yeah I was like, yeah, sure, I can take care of those. That's fine. I can water them, no big deal. Um <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh mm. I spent some time with uh Connie, uh Connie Bailey Crancer uh was the the horticulturist who was managing all of the special collections at the time. Mm-hmm. And um so she kind of uh she taught me the basics and really my first deep dive into it was um, the, the ABS learning seminars in Louisville. I think it was 2011. Um, I I hadn't worked very closely with Connie. I was literally just starting to do bonsai and we road tripped down together uh, and it was like a crash course um, in like beginning bonsai for me. Uh, but I didn't really feel out of place. I, I took some of the, the seminars and it was you know, it felt, I mean, just like horticulture. So, um, but I think I confused a lot of people there because um, I didn't really know anything. I remember being in one of the, the soils lectures and the, I don't remember who it was, but the guy giving the, the lecture was like, how long have people been doing bonsai? And I, I'm pretty sure I just said like, this is my first day. And he just, like, looked at me, like, why are you here? <laughs> um, so, so that's kind of where it started. And it's kind of hmm. snowballed from there. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, tell us a little bit about the the Matai collection. Am I saying that right? The so it's pronounced,
2: it's pronounced Mathai.
0: Mathai. Uh, I have been yes. getting that wrong. Okay. Yeah, that's All OK. Right.
2: It's, it's a long, confusing name. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I believe it's pronounced Mathai. That's what I've always, that's what I was told to call it in the beginning. So, And
0: who was who Mathai? Uh,
2: that was Fred Mathai. Um, he, I don't know exactly the connection. He was, if he donated the land or just um, was a, a financial donor, um, but it is named after, after him. Um, and so... So it's Mathai Botanical Gardens and Nichols Arboretum, which is confusing because they're we're the same institution, but we have two locations. So the Botanical Gardens is about six miles off of main campus, um, kind of on the edge of town. And the Arboretum is uh, on central campus right next to the medical complex. So there's some distinction of of where you are, and I think that's one of the reasons I didn't necessarily realize we had a Bones Eye collection because my work was primarily at the Arboretum um, for the first year or so that I was there. So I didn't explore Mathai very much, but uh, the collection is housed over at, at Mathai Botanical Gardens. Um, and we have, I did a count this morning. I think we've got about 85 trees at the moment. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And there will be, there will be more to come. Um,
0: and are but, are you the first curator of this collection?
2: No. So, Kali uh, mm-hmm. or Connie Connie Kranser was the the first.
0: Oh, she was the first. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm.
2: It wasn't necessarily curator. She was, and technically, I'm I'm not officially a curator by U of M standards, but um, that's technically what I do. Uh, she was mm. uh, a horticulturist who did who managed all those special collections, um, but she was responsible for the eye and the record keeping and managing the volunteers and the work that was done on trees. So essentially she was probably the first curator. Yeah. Writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was first um, and I followed. She started back. I don't know when she started exactly, um, but she has a really interesting origin story of just working mm. as a horticulturist. And then she saw uh, volunteers from the Ann Arbor eye Society working on our collection and she would, clock out of her regular job and go and volunteer with them and then clock back in to do her other work. Um, and eventually it got wrapped up into <laughs> her actual job. So she didn't have to do that, but uh, huh. that's how she started. Uh, so, yeah. Oh gosh.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: So our core collection um, comes from uh, Dr. Maurice Sievers, Sieber, uh, who was the director of pharmacology at the University of Michigan. And this was donated in the 1970s. Um,
0: oh, wow. That was early.
2: Yeah. And mm-hmm. we still have some trees from the original collection. We don't have all of them, but we have some. Mm. Um, it's And we've got some uh, pictures from when they first got here. Um, well, early 80s. And so it's really fun to look at those pictures and see the transformation over, the, over time.
1: Mm. Um, mm. But
2: they kind of lived... Not on display, just kind of between some of the greenhouses and um, Ann Arbor Bonsai Society members care for, cared for them. Uh, we still work closely with them to manage the collection, um, mm-hmm. but we kind of acquired more trees over time, and now it's a now we have an actual garden space to display them and keep them.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, just uh, to jump in there, uh, talking about history in bonsai in, in, in a public collection, you know, looking at those old old photos that you're just talking about, I, I'm curious about what your your opinion is about uh, creativity for the curator. Does that come into play? You know, only when a tree loses a branch, or are there other opportunities for for creativity? Um, what are your thoughts about that?
2: For me, I've had a lot of opportunity to be creative with the trees. Um, a lot of the the donations were from hobbyists. And so there were some improvements that could be made over time. Um, and so um, we worked with or I worked with the volunteers, some of which um, are, are really good artists. Um, they fund awards at some of the shows and such. And, um, we also called in a couple other bonsai professionals to work with us and kind of teach me and the volunteers and do some reworking of some of the styles of the trees. Um, so I've had the opportunity to kind of remake a number of the trees. And, Mm. uh, so that's been, that's been really good. And I think that, I don't know about other curators. Um, I mean, if you have a collection full of, you know, donated trees that are fairly, Done as far as like as far as their style set, then uh, I think there's not as much of an opportunity for creativity. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've been lucky to to be able to make some big changes to trees. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah do do you feel any allegiance to the style, form, canopy, whatever um, of uh, a tree when it came into the collection?
2: Yes, that's actually what I was going to say. Thank you Mm. (laughs) for cueing my brain back in. Um, When we do receive a a donation, we try to keep the original feel of the tree. So what the artist originally intended. Um, Very rarely do we take uh, like a a more upright tree and make it slanty or something like that. Um, But we take a little bit of lenience with um, like, moving branches around or, you know, widening things, making things smaller, regrowing a branch. We'll do that kind of stuff. But, um, a lot of the mm-hmm. trees, we do try to keep the original intent of the artist there.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I hear you're saying that you, the, the word we, but it, is this, um, if, if you're sort of the acting curator, if not in name, what, um, it, it, is this a, a group decision or does it come down from on high or from Connie or is, is there history regarding that particular, uh, path, uh, with curating trees?
2: Um, I get to make the final decision, which is
0: fun. <laughs> you can say that bolder. <laughs> yes,
2: um, I get to do it.
1: Uh, Good. Good. when I say
2: we, I mean myself and the volunteers, because usually when we're working on trees, it's, it's me and a, a group of individuals, um, we do we do discuss a lot of the changes we're going to make and um, and and try to get to a consensus. But sometimes there's or you know maybe more than just sometimes there's one or two people who are like I don't really want to do that. But usually once hmm. it's done they're they're on board. Uh, but yeah, I mean I work.
0: <laughs> yeah, after the fact that it can often be hard to get back.
1: Yeah. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah but yeah we try to make you know we try to get to a consensus and make a decision an informed decision together mm-hmm. but uh this last year it's mostly just been me making decisions which has been fun um but and and hopefully i made the right decisions um, the trees
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> i want to i want to bring jonas in here uh, he's been very quietly listening <laughs> to this, <laughs> this banner but i, w- I want to hear jonas's thoughts or questions as well,
1: well i was curious carmen <laughs> you have a hort background and i think a lot of people in bonsai really fantasize about having more of a horticulture background um, is it all that like do you find that you can lean on something you may have caught in a book or a lecture at one point and that's made it easier for you to maintain beautiful and healthy trees
2: I definitely think it's an advantage. Um, Not so much in the specifics of, oh, yeah, like that thing in that book said this. But when thinking about what you're going to do to the tree um, or when you don't understand something and somebody explains it to you, there's that background knowledge of plant physiology that you're like, oh, right. That's, that's how plants work. And um, so that's definitely helpful in understanding why you make the decisions you make. Um, I mean, it's something you can, you know, you can learn as you go. There's plenty of good artists who don't necessarily have a horticulture background, but I would definitely say it's an advantage.
1: Oh, that's cool. Because it's either in, you got to figure if it's a species you're unfamiliar with, you might know more about how that species grows. If a tree is going through a really stressful period, it might give you an idea about what's going to get it back on track. And I know a lot of people would love to lean on um, anything related to pesticides or fungicides, or just really getting things back to basic health. And, Mm -hmm. you know, not having been through all that, it always makes me wonder, yeah, what is it that we're all missing out on? And it sounds like fun to have a bit deeper background in that stuff.
2: Yeah, I I think so. I I mean, I really loved plant biology and plant physiology. So it's a fun puzzle to be able to connect the pieces of like of art and plant science and get something that's both.
1: Did you uh, ever find that, Michael, or do you just have you just been looking stuff up on your own your entire life?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm probably. The... Probably the, the second um, there. <laughs> yeah, my background is, is more art. Um, but um, yeah, Carmen, you have a bit of a, an art background as well, don't you? Um, I, yeah. I continually see your, your drawings on Instagram. and <laughs> uh, I'm trying to regain some of recall. my artistic
2: skill. Yeah, uh, I took um, a lot of art classes in high school because I didn't like any of the other electives. Um, I briefly considered going into art in college. My brother uh, has a degree in, in fine art, um, but I I didn't think I could really, it didn't really fit for me. It kind of felt like a stretch, but um, yeah, I've been drawing for most of my life and I, I've kind of let that fall off to the side. But more recently, I've been trying to regain some of those skills and trying to bravely post things that I'm not totally happy with, but just to mm-hmm. let people know that like it you don't have to be perfect, you can just draw something and that's art and you can share it. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And have my grandma, up- actually, my grandma was a, a painter. Um, so it's in the family. Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. That's cool. Yeah. Have you set up a bonsai sharing account for the garden? Say that again? Have you set up a bonsai image sharing uh, platform for the garden?
2: Ah. Um, not specifically. Um, Our garden does have an Instagram. It's at Mathai Nichols. So occasionally I'll jump on there and post some things. Um, And then I have a, I personally have a bonsai Instagram account called Becoming Bonsai. And I'll often post pictures of what I'm working on at work or what plants I see, you know, outside or the frogs that come into the greenhouses or whatever. Um, But specifically for the bonsai, no.
1: I've definitely seen the frogs on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah! A lot of frogs. We have a lot of <laughs> them. <laughs> I like that it's seasonal too, because we just we dream about these things and see them on TV. Apparently, they're called seasons, and I definitely get a sense of that <laughs> in your uh, your images.
2: Yes, we have very distinct seasons here in Michigan, for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you're experiencing one of them now.
2: Yes, we are in the part of winter that is. Um, perpetually gray it's like oh gosh it's like always Monday at five o'clock is kind of what it feels like but uh, there's actually a little bit of Sun today so it's it's a day to get outside and take a walk
1: so what does bonsai practice look like for you this time of year
2: uh, so we we used to put all of the trees into cold frames so they were really inaccessible in the winter because you know they had a lid on them and then the snow would pile up um, so we couldn't really get to them to work on them in the winter but the last uh, couple years we've been working on cold greenhouse solutions um, because of our recent donation of azaleas. Uh, we didn't want to be one lifting super heavy trees down into our cold frames and two we didn't want them to get damaged by the potential of Michigan winter. Um, uh-huh. So I have more access to the trees now and I've pushed off some of the the pine wiring um, to this time of year but we also have uh, decent collection of figs ficus um and some other tropicals so i'm trying to get to spend a little bit more time with them uh this time of year
1: so you're becoming a very well-rounded bonsai practitioner
2: oh yes we have all kinds of things here
1: (laughs) well that sounds cool that you can do a lot more work this time of year otherwise that would be quite a big break
2: yeah
1: yeah i'm also involved
2: in the gardens with with other things um I'm on a couple of committees and, you know, there's other planning work and, and all kinds of stuff, but uh, yeah, as far as bonsai, sense. I do get to keep my can, my hands on it year round.
1: Well, you mentioned Sotsky. Tell me about your relationship with azaleas.
2: Yes. So again, something I didn't realize was a thing um, <laughs> until a couple of years into bonsai, but uh, <laughs> one of our uh, development directors found um that a U of M alum had a collection of azaleas. Um, and this is Dr. Mel Goldstein. He's a professor at, at Case West University in uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, he had a, a really nice bonsai collection, uh, is what I heard first. And once I saw it, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, he's got an amazing collection of trees. Um, most of them are azaleas. Well, yeah, probably most of them are azaleas. Um, and so, We started, you know, talking with him, um, having him out to look at our trees, our garden, that kind of thing. And um, we developed a pretty good relationship with him. And he's decided to donate his collection to the botanical gardens, which is simply amazing. It's going to, like, put the gardens on the map of, like, really good bonsai collections. Um, So I immediately needed to learn satsuki because Uh, so many of his trees are super high-quality satsukis imported from Japan. Um,
0: Yeah, they're amazing, beautiful. Yeah,
2: yeah, Mm -hmm. they're really cool, and uh, I like working on them a lot because they're kind of picky. You have to revisit them over and over and over, and I like that kind of tree that you kind of interact with more than just like once a season or like, you know, once a year. as far as like styling and pruning and stuff goes. So I really enjoy working with them Um, and they're just beautiful. So that's really led to kind of expanding our garden space, our display space, um, creating this new cold storage facility, um, going to Japan, all of that kind of stuff.
1: How have you been able to learn about azaleas? Like what resources have you leaned on to figure out what to do to keep the trees looking good?
2: Mm -hmm. So some of it obviously came from Mel, just some of the day-to-day fertilizing, uh, watering, his pest application, pesticide application. Um, but he also works pretty closely with Dave Kreutz, who uh, has an azalea business down in St. Louis. And so um, I had originally, I was, I had gone over to Mel's place to uh, work with both of them on some repotting. And then once we received our first donation of azaleas from Mel, Dave started coming Fairly regularly, spring and fall, um, to help teach me and the volunteers what to do as far as seasonal work goes. Uh, we've also worked with um, Suthin. Mm-hmm. He he has worked with Mel a lot, and so we've been bringing Suthin in to work on all of our collection, but also with a with a focus on Mel's trees, mostly his azaleas. Um, so yeah, we've had a uh, some pretty. <laughs> We've had some pretty good help learning how to manage them um, and keep them looking good.
1: Have you had access to any of uh, Mel or Dave's uh, Sotsky repotting contraptions?
2: Yes. Um,
1: tell tell people about what that is. Ooh, I, I, don't know, <laughs> I, don't know I don't know, my know my what this is. This it's is, more is, this that is I've heard stuff. about
2: them than witnessed them, but. Oh, you haven't um, used it yet. Okay. There's There was one I we did use where you essentially put the tree upside down um on the stand so it's it's really it's hard to describe but it's like a it's a stand and then um it's got two prongs that come out and you kind of put the soil surface on the two prongs so that you can like work on the bottom of the tree and uh really get fresh soil into the um the the bottom of the tree so that there's no dry pockets that kind of thing Uh, And it's, it's pretty uh, extravagant. Um, I heard also about the, they were using a pulley system for one of his larger trees. And I did not witness that. But the story goes that (laughs) they got the tree in the pot and Mel decided it was not positioned correctly. So they had to (laughs) take it back out of the pot and then put it back into the pot. And this, this tree is huge. Um, The pot was custom made. I'm pretty sure that if the pot was empty, that I could probably squeeze into it. So it's a, it's a big tree.
0: And I got to get me one of those. (laughs) For those who haven't been,
1: uh, Mel has shown trees at the U S national exhibit. And if you just look back and see who won the Sotsky category at the national, it's Mm going to be one of Mel's trees in general. And yeah, yeah, the biggest ones, the trunk was far bigger than my torso. They're, they're, yeah. just, they're, yeah, they're monstrous and they have to be held upside down throughout quite a lot of the repotting process, which is why it's so important to have these, uh, these awesome contraptions that can help with that. Uh-huh. Yes.
2: And, and multiple people to
1: oh yeah move
2: things and lift things and all of that. Yeah. The, the tree mm-hmm. that I'm, um, that we're talking about, uh, is the one that won the national award, um, for azaleas in 2018 and that's now living uh with me at the botanical gardens
1: how long can that go before being repotted again hopefully a while oh yeah
2: hopefully a while um yeah what is is
0: your yeah usual cycle sorry
2: uh i mean we just we wait till they need it um we keep record of when it was last repotted and if something goes for you know a really long time um you know, I, I look at it every year and see like, okay, well, this tree's, you know, coming up on I don't know four years without us really exploring the pot. Let's go take a, another look, um, yeah. and so we kind of we just do it on a as needed basis. When I started, it was much more of a routine, um, and I've kind of let that slide to to when trees need it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good. It's a good good policy, I think, in general for bonsai. One yeah. thing I've noticed is that you know the larger the pot, the 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 longer your your schedule can be, your mm-hmm. rough schedule. And the smaller mm-hmm. the the pot, the, the the quicker the the repotting yeah. schedule should be. I I mean the ones at Suzuki's place, um, my teacher's place, uh, you know these huge pines from the imperial collection are repotted once every fifteen years. Mm-hmm. You know, four person trees. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really miss, uh, we've been shut down for, because of COVID for essentially since March. Um, and so we haven't had the the volunteer help that we usually have. And I've got some of our tropicals are in need of a repot. So I'm going to have to haul some staff members in to help me lift things. And like, yeah, it's going to be a, a process with fewer people.
1: Mm-hmm. You have to build your own contraption.
2: Yes, I yeah. I might need to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, speaking of you know multiple people with these large trees, tell us a little bit about your volunteer team uh, who who helps with these adventures.
2: Yeah, we've got a, a fairly robust volunteer team. Most of them have been with us for a number of years. Um, Jack Weichel is one of our volunteers. He oh, Jack, yes. Yeah, he's so wonderful. He still works over at Hidden Lake Gardens in Tipton, Michigan as well um, as their curator. Um, I don't know if he's officially their curator, or if he's more at a volunteer level at this point, but um, he's very involved in Michigan Bonsai, and so he comes out uh, and helps us out. We usually meet, especially during the busy season, we meet once a week um, for... I don't know, a whole afternoon and do whatever needs to get done. Um, then we'll kind of taper off, you know, during the slow, the slow bits, but Jack Weigel works with us. Um, Cyril Groom, who has won a number of awards at uh, a lot of ABS shows. Um, Paul Kulesa, Jason Clare. Um, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've emailed them. Um, but yeah, we've got a, a, a good group of Ann Arbor Bonsai Society members who come out really regularly and more countries.
1: Nice, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Almost essential for a big uh, big collection like that. Um, you have almost a hundred trees, and it sounds like more will be coming. So yeah,
2: Volunteers and it's it's fun essential. because they all kind of have their own thing that they like to do. So they they always get to do that, and then we'll mm-hmm. pull them into other stuff they're not used to, um, just to help and get some more experience. So mm-hmm. it's fun. They're they're a really good group.
0: Mm-hmm. And you you play a role of kind of a teacher then for I'm them when they're there.
2: Starting to get into it's it's tricky because when I started, a lot of them have worked with me since I really started the process of learning A. So there's kind of a mm-hmm. uh, me still as the student, um, and I'm I'm still learning stuff from them. Uh, but then there are other things where I will act as the teacher for someone who doesn't know what you know, how to prune this tree or, um, how to wire, we'll practice wiring. So it's, it's kind of a mutual, you teach me, I teach you, we share what we've learned, um, Mm. and everybody benefits. Mm -hmm.
1: Speaking of, tell us more about your learning from Michael. You two know your learning relationship, but none of Uh us know the details. Uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Carmen was um, uh, It's not an was... arbitrary connection between you two. Here. <laughs> right.
0: Um yeah, when uh when we first started talking about uh having a um, uh having a little series on uh women curators Uh, of uh, Public Collections, Carmen was one of the first to come to mind. Uh, She was part of my seasonal program, finished the seasonal program, and then at the end of that uh, inquired about the possibility of an apprenticeship. Uh, So that was quite some time ago, and this May she will be starting her apprenticeship out here in Oregon, which is a big move for uh, Carmen and her family. Uh, Thankfully, her her husband uh, has... um, the ability to, to work from almost anywhere, and Gus probably being what six seven now, probably is going to be excited for change. Or what do you yeah, think about he's, that?
2: He's seven. <laughs> no, yeah, he's, no, he's um, seven.
0: Seven. I keep getting yeah. his name, wrong, his his age wrong.
2: <laughs> no, no, that's all right. No, he was um, he was really he's yeah. excited. I think he's a little bit nervous too. But um, I oh, yeah. remember when we were first yeah. talking about it, I uh, showed yeah. him your tiny house, and he decided that he was going to build a <laughs> tiny home and live by the river by himself. <laughs> Ooh. And I could come visit, and he would come visit me. But I think we're we're like finally at the point of like we will all live in the same house, uh, so, which is probably a good thing.
0: Oh my! Wow! Yeah. Wow! That usually happens in the teenage years, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, he's he's ahead of the game.
0: He has some Huck Finn. So yeah. Huck Finn, right?
2: We ended up building oh, a tiny river. house in the no in the backyard out by the compost pile, so, so that he can, once he you know, sees
0: it, I don't think that's. Could it be Could to remain in his head as a possibility?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs>
0: it's a little swampy back there when we get a lot mm-hmm. of rain. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: so anyway, that's how we, how we know one
1: another. Um, yeah. What was it like from your perspective, Carmen? Yeah. Tell us about the seasonal mm-hmm. experience. Cause that's um, remote learning over quite a lot of time.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm really super lucky that the botanical gardens was able to um, help me get this kind of training because it's something that I would not have likely been able to afford on my own. Um, and they consider it, you know, uh, staff training. So um, they they uh, like to invest in, in us as staff members. Um, so that was super amazing that they did that. But it was um, in 2017, we were talking about uh, me and and the some of the management over at the gardens were talking about um, changing my position to be full-time bonsai. At that point, I was uh, working at about 80% and doing bonsai as well as a couple of the other garden spaces. Um, so we were talking about it, and uh, something that came up was professional training. And so I was looking around at seasonal programs and decided to go with Michael's. Uh, and then very much out of character for me. I flew across the country to go do this class with people I didn't know. Um, it was very, I was very nervous um, at first, but uh, it became one of my favorite things to do. Um, so I was able to do the seasonal program in in two years and um, yeah, and I decided I wasn't done. So I asked Michael about the apprenticeship and here we are
1: oh that's
0: cool <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and that's a that's a big deal right you haven't lived outside of michigan do i remember that correctly? no
2: i've i've only Exciting. ever lived in michigan and so now i'm just all right. moving all the way across the country right not, not scary at all not <laughs> no. scary <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fine
0: <laughs> no you're coming at a good time of year too at least you're not mm-hmm. coming in like february where trying to get yeah. over the passes would be a little more excitement than you would mm-hmm. want in a big truck but yeah. don't but mention May that she hasn't done the good. trip yet Right.
1: what was it like getting to japan finally when you were uh had had so much exposure to bonsai and you finally got over there i remember what it was like from the outside but uh what was it like for you to finally get over there
2: it was awesome again another experience i would not have probably put myself in had work not really encouraged it um just because essentially what it felt like was flying to a a completely foreign country and meeting you know a couple people that I didn't I didn't really know you super well Jonas and I hadn't I know Dave um, Dave Kreutz was there as well uh, but I didn't know him super well and so traveling in a foreign country with people I didn't know really well was really daunting Um, but I remember people telling me my whole time doing bonsai that you've never really seen bonsai until you go to japan and i get it Like <laughs> it was like every tree there was show quality um better than the stuff in our collections uh or or as good as the best stuff in our collections and there was just so much it was just everywhere um we went to Gafuten 10 and saw the shohin displays and that was just awesome And then we went to, I don't know how many, four or five nurseries. And it was just trees and trees and trees. And it was just, it was really fabulous. I had a great time.
1: Yeah. From what I recall, you just couldn't wipe the grin off your face the entire time.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It was really (laughs) great. And the donuts in Japan are like super good. I was a big fan of those. We had a lot of donuts.
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah i think jonas mm-hmm. and i both have stories of of boone and his uh enjoyment of of the confectionaries of, so
2: good of yeah yeah <laughs> just
1: how you start the day absolutely mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah it was it was really fun um, and yeah that's really where i i had very briefly met jonas um before st. Louis. yeah in st louis and uh yeah but it was really fun to get you, to know you better um, and I didn't really realize your connection with Michael until I was there and we were talking about it. Um, so I thought that was a really cool small world connection.
1: It was uh, a very small world, which is always, yeah. uh, the case when you're with Dave, you never know who you're going to be hanging out with. <laughs>
2: right? Yes, that's true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But when was that? When you, when you met Jonathon in uh, St. Louis, just, just for my own, uh,
2: yeah, that was in <laughs> what year was that? Was that it was 2018?
1: the big ABS <laughs> conference.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took a a wiring seminar huh. from Jonas. Um, do you remember that? I don't know. Yeah,
1: very much. I, you were okay. the very serious person who was asking <laughs> questions and trying to look at things closely. Yeah. And you said, "Well, yeah, I'm going out to you know, I'm actually I think I'd heard about you ahead of time. I think Michael might have even given me up ah. that you'd be there and you yeah. mentioned that you were doing some seasonals out there at the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you were like, "Who likes wiring?" And I was like, the only person who raised their hand. <laughs> you were just <laughs> like, "What." <laughs> Like, why are you in this class? Well, yeah. I, I like wiring. I want to. I want to wire more trees.
1: Exactly. So yeah, that
2: was that was fun.
1: Yeah, that was a great event, and that was the one that uh, Andrew's club uh, did the bulk mm-hmm. of the organizing for. It was pretty much their big event that they'd uh, hosted along with ABS, mm-hmm. which was yeah. a ton of fun. And that it was, was great fun. to see the whole Midwest crowd on that trip. Mm-hmm. And so, when you got back home, did you see your trees differently after seeing what they can look like in Japan? Did oh, yeah! You start to appreciate the great and learn to strive to uh, get there with <laughs> the rest of the trees.
2: Yes, yeah, for sure. I, I've definitely started looking at trees differently since Michael's classes, and then since Japan, for sure. Um, I don't really know how to explain it. Just the. I'm lost on words at the moment. Um, I'll do, I'll think of them.
1: Do you still have a pot addiction? You were having so much trouble resisting cute purple <laughs> pots.
2: Yes, I. I don't laugh at me. Hey, there come on! It's so a serious business. It's very serious, and you're going to see a lot of them, Michael. Okay. Um, it's
0: just the first I've heard of it, so I, I had to, yeah. I had to I, react.
2: Somebody somebody once told me that you couldn't do bonsai in a purple pot, and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so okay. since then, I've been right. buying
2: purple pots. Um, <laughs> there were plenty of them in Japan, so they must be a thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I bought a lot of pots when I was there, uh, wow. with with dreams of putting plants in them. But they're still in my closet.
0: Wow. Uh, so so the for, d- don't tell me what I can't do thing is is a thing for you? Maybe.
1: <laughs> but it's also just an appreciation because i know it got to the point where whenever i saw a purple pot i'd get your attention and oh yeah right, that is nice
2: it's really nice yeah <laughs> yeah it was, right. it was a fun a fun game to look for for the different pots
1: yeah well looking for patterns is a good way to start figuring out what actually is available because when you walk into a room with mm. a lot of vendors you say look there are quote lots of pots but when you start looking for <laughs> a small yellow rectangle, you're like, wow, there aren't many small yellow rectangles or anything Mm. pink or purple. Or, you know, as soon as you get into an interesting requirement, you start picking up on these patterns of what is in the show, what are on those shelves and uh, what in the world am I going (laughs) to do with this tree I've got back home?
0: That's a really astute comment. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. You could deep dive. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also remember seeing a tree.
2: Um, over in Japan in a yellow pot. And it was, I found the same yellow pot, though cracked at randomly at one of the Ann Arbor Bonsai Society shows and (laughs) sales. Um, So I purchased it for too much money and have this really cute little yellow pot now um, Mm -hmm. waiting again for the perfect tree.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Actually, one of the more well, uh, probably my favorite tree that I picked up on that trip was uh, due to Carmen's prodding. She was a big fan of one of the azaleas. I was looking at, oh, yeah, you got to get that one. Oh, yeah, don't even ask about that. You got to get that. Which and one I still say? have I it at home on the shelf.
2: I told you to buy all of them.
1: You also said that. I will, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, <I> actually uh, <laughs> Carmen picked out an entire batch of trees. Uh, For those who haven't done buying trips in Japan, which uh, obviously that's very few people, it's not like you're wandering through your favorite department store on a Sunday afternoon and there's all the time in the world. It's more like you're sleep deprived, jet lagged, um, wondering whether or not you should be eating. It's getting dark out and you're running around and you're like, oh, we've got 30 minutes to wrap up the rest of the next hundred trees we have to pick out. And so I remember at the waning daylight moments at one of the gardens we visited, uh, Carmen and I frantically picking out trees and just leaving them on the ground and walking away for someone else to figure out what it was that I'd, uh, you know, I I didn't even remember what I'd picked up until they showed up uh, a couple months later, but Carmen was a good help in picking out trees. How's this one? Oh, it's great. Next. Okay. And we just kind of zipped through it all. It was fun.
2: Yeah, that was really fun. I hope that you liked them as much when they showed up at your doorstep. Um I did. They, did were they were fantastic.
1: They okay, were great. Good, I got good. I got more the next year actually. They were great.
2: Oh, good. Yeah, those were really cool little trees. I really liked those.
1: And to describe them for those who haven't seen them, they are they were young whips that had been wired in just bizarro, really funky, kinky shapes. The trees had acute angles often or big wide horizontal loops or just really they were the most playful trees that we saw the entire trip and it was fun Mm -hmm. uh picking out a handful of them many of them they didn't know what the species were or what which cultivar it was and so it was fun to see in bloom what they turned out to be
2: yeah yeah a lot of them
1: look like candy canes a lot of white with pink stripes oh wow
0: wow do you have like an uh, azalea shazam like app where you can you know focus in
1: on a flower well, uh, not, not only Shazam, we not have, the have that thing yet, thing. It, it, that would <laughs> be the it. smart way to do it because <laughs> right? when I ask the professional growers in Japan, I'll mm-hmm. show them a picture and they'll just, they don't even try. They're like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> There's so many that are so similar. They don't even pretend. <laughs>
2: yeah, I bought the book of azalea cultivars and it's just. Yeah, if if they could digitize yeah. that and then somehow yes. figure out yeah. a way to like yeah. ID the specific cultivar, that'd be amazing. <laughs> but I can't imagine the number of images of each one that they would need to get in order to really make it work.
1: Yeah, it's actually a fairly get... solvable problem. I just don't know if anyone hmm. wants to invest in that problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. right. <laughs>
2: it's a real niche market.
0: Yeah. yeah, I tend to get glazed eyes when I look at the uh, azalea cultivar books. I just, mm-hmm. you know. They're all beautiful, but that's about as far as I get.
1: Yeah, It takes some repeated exposure before you can start to appreciate that. And I'm the same. For me, it's yeah. Yeah. it's funny. So many things when they're new to me aren't as interesting, but then the more time you spend, mm. you start to pick up the details. Mm. I, I, I've said before that when I started looking at pines, I wondered why they all had the exact same shape. Like I could not tell two pines apart when I started bonsai. Mm. And now obviously that's changed. <laughs> And Azaleas mm-hmm. are similar. is like I didn't really mm-hmm. care about the flowers. I love the shapes of the trees. But then when you start seeing them bloom in person and you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's actually really cool. And then over time you start appreciating mm-hmm. them more and more. And it may take mm-hmm. 20 or never for some people, a lot of years, but
0: for others, never. <laughs> they just grab you right away.
1: But on here, Carmen, you mentioned at the very start mm-hmm. that you thought there might be some fun opportunities mm-hmm. to connect, uh gender women's mm-hmm. work with your own work and I would love to hear if you have any thoughts about what that might mean for your role at the uh, garden in the future.
2: Yeah, I've been I'm still kind of playing around with it. It's definitely something that's on the the forefront of my mind um and I'm trying to figure out ways to really incorporate it into my work but um every year we, during the summer we hire a bunch of interns and almost all of my interns working specifically on bonsai have been women. Um, And I find it really interesting that a lot of the female interns have a larger interest in bonsai uh, than the guys. Uh, But when you go to club meetings, it's exactly the opposite. It's mostly male. Um, Mm -hmm. And so It's not that the interest isn't there it's that it's not somehow being captured and I want to figure out how to capture it um, and inspire young women to really embrace this and get into it. Uh, I've had interns and uh, even interns that were not mine um, were just other interns at the gardens come spend time helping prep azaleas for show Or uh, we'd walk through a sale together and buy some trees and we have little workshops um, out in the studio. And it's really fun. So I would love to. uh, I think probably a really good avenue for getting um, more young women or just more young people in general is to reach out to the students at the University of Michigan and try to get a student volunteer group. Uh, to come work with us as well. It's just, it's so tricky because generally our our volunteer groups meet at the same time every week and as a group. So I think it's going to be changing our our volunteer, the way we structure our volunteers for Bonsai is, you know, maybe just, you know, whenever you're available and I'm here, you come out and help for X number of hours. Um, So trying to connect with the students is is one thing we can do. Um, The purple pots also, honestly are a little bit part of it. Um, I don't want uh, i I want to show that there is more diversity in actual bonsai eye than what you see yet shows um, and I'm really interested in creating some almost hyper feminine styled trees that uh, are very clearly um, like not not grotesque but you know, very slender or curvy or um, just really light, beautiful trees in maybe an untraditional pot, like something that's purple. Um, just I to can see a
0: purple pot society in the future here.
2: Yeah. Hey, that's a great name for it. Hashtag purple, mm-hmm. purple, purple pot, pot society. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm using that. I'm using Uh-oh. it. Starting. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> prepare yourself, but just to show that mm. there's there's not a limit to the the artistic eye that goes into this. Yes, there's traditional trees. Yes, there's um, traditional styles. Learn those. They're important. Then take what you've learned and make something different that makes you really happy. Um, So, I mean, that's kind of where I'm going with it on the university level. Um, And I've been thinking at some point, possibly starting my own business and I'm trying to figure out how I would incorporate that into a business plan um but yeah that's that's kind of where i'm at Mm -hmm.
0: yeah this is this is one of the things that really struck me uh carmen i um i went out there um about a year and a half ago to do kind of a kind of an informal interview i mean i knew carmen pretty well because she had been through the seasonal program you know we'd worked together for two years or so but i was really curious what her intentions were uh, what she wanted to get out of the apprenticeship, um, you know, whether there was any larger goal, which is a question that I ask any anyone who is interested in apprenticeship at Cortega's Bonsai. So I remember we, we went to a coffee shop and we sat down and, and uh, it really struck me that you gave me kind of a synopsis of what you've just said in the last five minutes here um, that you really did have a goal (laughs) and it was different than anyone else that I had ever heard. You talked about your experience of, of essentially feeling like your, your early experience had been in an old boys club and you, Mm -hmm. you just didn't feel welcome. And that really struck me. Um, and it was something I wanted to, uh, certainly enable. So, uh, um, I'm glad to hear you fill that out a little bit more in fact i i, I don't think you've uh, <laughs> even to me i don't think you've filled it out quite as much as you did right here so uh, yeah <laughs> thank you Jonas for uh, for the prod
2: <laughs> and and a, a lot of this has kind of surfaced mm-hmm. the University of Michigan has um mm-hmm. a really a, a really strong diversity equity and inclusion initiative that i've been involved with our um, committee here at the gardens to kind of figure out how to include that in everything that we do. And so that's really kind of pushed me in the direction of, okay, well, let's bring more women into generally a a more male dominated industry. Um, And I would love to go even further and reach out to marginalized populations, the LGBTQ plus population. Um, But those aren't really my areas of specialty, but I am a woman and I know other women. So I feel like I can start there and hopefully, Hmm. Um, start something maybe bigger and, you know, get other people who maybe do know those communities better to kind of partner or do their own thing and, and just mm-hmm. make bonsai more accessible.
1: Brilliant. that sounds fantastic. And I really Thanks. think you're onto something in that as I've done, as I've engaged in various bonsai events outside of the bonsai community, it's a completely different demographic. It skews far younger and far more, female which is awesome Mm -hmm. and so when i've done events in you know when visiting a business or just doing things for the general public it's far more young women than any other group and they love it it's funny that depends a lot on the context i think it depends on Mm -hmm. who the people are working with or how things are prevented and what's available to them and uh, at some point i think it'll be fun to see that work its way through the uh, bonsai community some more but just recently, actually, a couple of the people I work with brought their twenty-something daughters over to a class, and they sat down and worked on trees all day long, and were having a great old time. And that was just to hang out with their dads, and uh, but they seemed to be totally fine doing the work too. It was really neat to see. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to seeing more of that.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to to. To do something with it, um, it's been an idea for a while, and so I'm excited to get the opportunity to kind of explore it further.
0: Well, you know, as part of the apprenticeship, this is kind of a new thing as of uh, Andrew's uh, uh, time with me. Is that we have a, a, a thesis show, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so you might you, you might do some some proto uh, development of some of these ideas you just laid out uh, to
2: yeah i'd love show to do the that community
0: what you've been uh, nibbling on here uh that mm-hmm. so far has, has been sort of thinking in words and <laughs> intuitions yeah. but uh we want to we want to um assist you in uh uh opening the, the flower a bit um, excellent yeah. yeah 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 this is really exciting it's good mm-hmm. good um yeah. So that was, you know, sort of your own mission statement, but uh, to briefly go back to the collection, I'm, I'm really curious. Okay. I didn't get this question in earlier, but in terms of, uh, is, does the collection have a mission statement? And, and uh, as a second part of that. Are there any future visions of, of uh, the collection there that you're curator of that we can look forward to?
2: The collection at the moment does not have an official vision. Um, how we've been approaching it, um really since I started working with it was that we want to showcase uh, before we we received the donation from Mel it was more about showcasing um, trees from local artists and trying to build a more robust uh, collection of, of native species uh, which we already had a fair number of um, and since Mel's addition, think we still want to hold on to that initial concept of this is kind of where we started. These are, you know, from some of the the um, bonsai experts within our community trees that they have created and given to us. Um, and then also show kind of the that more traditional style from Mel and bring that collection of azaleas um, into it and really focus on the the excellence of that collection. So it's, it's kind of a jumble of thoughts at the moment, but, um, that's a, a little bit of background on, on kind of what we're thinking. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you had kind of a seed collection. I can't remember the name of the uh, the person who who seeded the collection. And then and then Mel is 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 one of your your primary mm-hmm. private um, uh, donors uh, that seems to be filling out a kind of a major statement in that collection. I was very impressed when I visited the 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 level. The, just the quality of the azaleas uh, is. Uh, as high as anything you'd see in the States. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, not the highest. It's incredible. Just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really good.
2: Yeah. We, um, for the past, I'm trying to remember how many years we've been doing it. I think it's been five. We've been having a spring azalea show. Um, And Mm -hmm. since we didn't originally have trees from Mel and I still do this, I I get a cargo van and I drive over to Mel's house and we load up enough trees for the show (laughs) and I drive them back and we put them on display for a week or two. And then we do a little bit of work on them, at least like get the flowers off and clean them up a little bit and then get in the car and drive them all the way back and, you know, let him do the rest of the work. And um, just as a way of kind of getting the, the public aware of, of what we're doing with his trees and, um, uh, kind of as a preview for where we're going once we have all of the trees from his collection. And it's a lot of work, but it's it's also yeah. super fun.
1: Hmm. Hmm. One of the recent events was written up in a Japanese Sotsky magazine.
2: Oh right. That's yeah.
1: right.
0: Yeah, that was impressive. That was great. Yeah.
2: That was I've cool. seen photos
0: of it. It's a it's a it's a heck of a show.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's amazing. Yeah, the
2: trees are just gorgeous. I know, if you're I love anywhere
0: that- near Ann Arbor, it's worth traveling to.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we had to cancel it this year and we, we moved it online, oh, yeah. but it just, it wasn't the same. But sure, I, sure. we're trying to figure out if we're going to be able to do anything this spring or, or not. But, but yeah, in twenty oh geez, what year is it? In 2019, um, we had uh, Hiro Kobayashi uh, from Japan and he brought a couple other people with him and um, he was, uh, at the the Azalea Weekend um, with us, and you know, got to do a, a workshop or two, and it was really it was really fun to see him again. We had met in Japan that uh, the winter um, before, so uh, seeing him again and kind of showing him around what we do over here was was pretty fun. Um, and it was it was really fun. My intern is in a picture uh, in that magazine. Uh, she and she's she's in love with azaleas so it was really fun to see her kind of get a spotlight there nice
0: nice, mm-hmm. nice was she the one i met i can't i can't remember i did yeah meet. yeah 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 yeah, uh, her, yeah, name's,
2: yeah. her name's her name's
0: Jaden. she um oh, she was right. great yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah she was going to work with me again this past summer uh in bonsai but we had to cancel our mm. internship program again so mm.
0: mm-hmm.
2: but yeah. she still sends me pictures of her trees and we talk mm. about them so
0: oh she has her own collection so she's oh yes she's, she's bought
2: a number of azaleas and lived um, in yeah yeah she's great she's hooked
1: great <laughs> well i look forward to seeing this collection i have not yet been out to visit the mathai so i'd love to come and see everything
2: yeah, if you come, uh, definitely come at the end of May when the azaleas are blooming, <laughs> because also our peony collection is blooming, and oh. um, that's kind of how I started at the gardens, and it's it's pretty fantastic. It's a a one one acre, it's a it's a huge plot over at the arboretum of of historic peonies introduced before 1950. There's over 700 plants. Um, <laughs> wow, it's yeah, it's pretty amazing.
1: I'd love to see that. There's a great uh, peony section of Ueno garden in uh, Tokyo and I've had some of them bloom in winter somehow. And so mm. often when I'm at the one <laughs> show, I'll sneak over to the peony show as well. It's really cool. Yeah.
0: Hmm. I don't think I've a, ever found that. Neat. Yeah, the I, first first I didn't time know I about that. Ever... Oh, sorry. Oh, go wow. ahead.
1: Yeah. That's cool. They're fun. Hmm.
2: The first time I ever came to Portland was actually for a American Peony Society conference. Hmm. Um which was which was fun.
1: Neat. Well, uh, how? Uh, oh, the other thing. How many trees do you have at home apart from your own? Uh, the trees you care for in the collection.
2: Not many. Um, probably around ten, and most of them are not really anything. There are <laughs> there are a lot of things I've kind of collected and and started growing with the intention of doing something with them um, when they're big enough. Uh, I have a couple that are pretty good. Um, well, their work's in progress, uh, but so much of my time is at work and then work, you know, coming home and being a mom and trying to also have my own life. So it's it's tricky to to <clears throat> stay focused on my own trees, but I have a few and obviously I'll end up getting more once I'm, you know, apprenticing and eventually having a business, Um, there'll be many more trees in my future. So
1: that's not an uncommon thing for people that manage gardens in any way, Mm -hmm. shape or form.
2: Right. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, it's, it's kind of fun because it's different. Um, I'm at home. I've been more interested in, you know, starting new things or, you know, making something from scratch, excuse me, where at work, I'm mostly maintaining um, mature trees. So it's fun to get a little bit of the the difference in there. Yeah. I just wanted to highlight a couple of the other people who have um, donated trees to the collection. Um, Jack Weichel, we've got a number of his trees. Uh, some years ago, he got rid of his uh, most of his collection of outdoor trees um, because he had a lot and they were really getting to be kind of too much to take care of. Who's got geese?
0: Uh, they just flew over the tiny yeah. home. Yeah, there were uh, <laughs> one, two, threes, so eight of them.
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got a number of trees from Jack Weichel, which, which feels very special having worked with him for a number of years and now being a steward to some of his trees. Um, Jerry Meislick also, I don't know if you guys know him, but he used to be a member of the Ann Arbor Bonsai Society. Who now lives uh i think he's in montana um but he has a he's a ficus guy and so we've got a number of of his trees he used to work as a volunteer with us and so we've got a couple that he made along with connie and uh, a couple mm-hmm. donations from him one of them is in one of michael's pots uh, which was fun to find mm-hmm. out um and early on jack sustick was a a supporter of the collection as well we have one of his trees from his personal collection um and he was nice enough to invite me out to the national arboretum uh i think it was 2016 to spend a couple days working with him on that collection and that was really fun i got to learn a lot of stuff and see all the trees there um and it was lucky i went because he retired the next year but the good thing about that is that he lives in michigan and not too far from the university. So we had him out a couple of times for volunteering and it's nice to have him, um, close by in case we have any big questions that need immediate attention. Um, Jack
1: is great. Yeah. He's,
2: yeah. He's, you
1: can't do much better than that for uh, lifeline. Yeah, right.
2: yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He used to be a member of the number bonsai society as well. So, um, Right.
0: Right, I feel former like Michigan. curator of the the National, yeah, you can't do much better.
2: <laughs> yeah, Michigan uh, has a fairly robust bonsai community. Um,
0: yeah, sure does. Do you have any trees from? Uh, let's see, Bruce Baker was isn't he? Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We've or got a we've got, got a U. U or,
0: oh great, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, we've got
2: one of his U's that he mm-hmm. I think he originally styled it back in eighty mm-hmm. six um, or eighty seven, and then mm-hmm. he got into other entrepreneurial things, and it went into the uh the garden bed in his backyard um <coughs> my volunteers dug it up in 2013 when i was on maternity leave and then 2014 to um sorry uh till 2017 we worked on it and it went into the national show in 2018 um, so thanks to him for his donation and then Dave DeGroat uh actually has worked with us too. He helped us get the you to where it was, and then bjorn uh styled it right before the show, so we've had a lot of hands on that tree and it's it's Great. yeah it's been fun yeah, to get super. to know everybody and um work with so many people and yeah, it's nice to have one of bruce's trees he's still around he's uh yeah yeah,
0: say hi. A long, will, long time yeah. since I've seen him.
2: <laughs> <coughs> yeah, so
0: yeah.
2: I guess that's kind of it.
0: Yeah, say hi to Jack Weichel too. I, I oh, haven't I seen him in many years, but I've always enjoyed our chats. He's a he's a sweetie. <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoy
2: having Jack around.
0: Yeah, yeah, he says has a lot of lot of experience, a lot of knowledge.
2: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and he's one of the only people I know that grows. Trees inside all year round. They're not tropicals. Um, and they're really, mm-hmm. really. I want to say cute, but I've also been told not to say that bonsais are cute. But they're they're really cute, and
0: um, <laughs> are they? In purple I really pots? like them. <laughs> they, yes, they do. At
2: least one of them should probably have a purple pot, but I'll work on them.
0: You don't have to influence the great Jack White. Yeah, off. we'll see I'll if try. this can happen.
2: Mm-hmm. I'll try. <laughs> all right. Unlikely.
0: <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, Jonas, do you have any anything more?
1: No, I think we covered all the yeah. good stuff. You've uh, made yeah. a good case for people going out and visiting everything that's going on at Mathai out in Michigan.
0: You bet. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there's yeah. tons of cool stuff. Um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a great place to come and visit. It's kind of a little yeah. hidden gem in ann arbor so Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. and i want to see the rest of the garden too because it's i love visiting botanical gardens in general so that'll be fun to see
2: Mm -hmm. yeah we've got a big focus on on native plants and uh conservation then that's at the gardens and the arboretum is mostly just it's like a big park in the middle of the city it's really cool um it's landscape that's never been built on it's all glacially formed uh with some cool natural communities and a giant historic peony garden so it's definitely something to see
1: awesome Mm -hmm. that's
0: a beautiful place yeah lovely
1: well thanks so much for sharing your time oh yeah yeah yeah
0: Yeah, thank you this is Mm -hmm. great It's really great We do need something uh, for our blooper reel, though, uh, to to (laughs) end the podcast with. So uh, I'll ask you this. And I ask this, actually, of all uh, incoming apprentices, just to know what I need to look out for. But if you Mm -hmm. were to lead a life of crime, what would it be?
2: Oh, man. I haven't thought of that.
0: Oh, well, that's that's actually a good answer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I never thought about about leading a life of crime.
0: How about Lou or Goss? Do you think Goss would have an answer? Oh my gosh, a seven, a so
2: my husband, actually, this is a funny story, and he probably won't appreciate me telling this to everybody, but he's a, a software engineer, and he went to interview for a new job at a company, and he had been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed, and they asked, like, if you could do anything, like, what would your dream job be? And he said, an assassin, and I, he told me that when he got home, and I was like, you can't say that in an interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> he got He got the job. So, oh, that's awesome! Yeah,
0: slash <laughs> <laughs> scary. Did they let him be an assassin though?
2: Oh no! I mean, he was just oh, developing oh, okay. software. Yeah. Oh, technology. that's too bad. Yeah. yeah, but I think I think he. I hope he gave him the caveat that it was for. He was playing Assassin's Creed, but I don't know. Mm. I'm gonna have mm. to think about that though. What would I do if I lived a life of crime? Mm. Or
1: maybe just mm. start with what would you want your criminal outfit to be, and work back from there. Whoa, mm. <laughs> that's pretty mm. good. <laughs> Yeah, well,
2: that's there, really great. I don't think about it though. I don't yeah. know. I think I've always okay. been a rule follower. So, uh,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. All right. I didn't see that coming, but that's that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is great, uh, Carmen. It's really conversational and uh, great fun. Uh, Jonas finally got us on the right track. Sorry, I, I, I tend to do this like interrogation thing, um, which. <laughs> Which isn't quite as, uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs>
2: okay. This was super yeah. fun. I've, yeah. I, As I told Michael the other day, I've always wanted to be on a podcast. So Aww.
1: Yeah, that's right. It was great yeah. to hear. Just totally great. Well, you'll be on plenty more once you're out. Late. Yes. Yeah. You'll, <laughs> yeah. You'll, Excellent. You'll have, to, you'll have to be one of our quizzers, our inquisitors.
2: Wonderful. I can't wait. <laughs>
1: Cool. Great. I uh, hope to see you in person whenever that's going to be. Look forward to yes.
2: that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Me
1: too.
0: Awesome. Okay. Uh, thanks so much, Carmen.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. Thank Dave. you.
0: Cheerio.
1: music on today's podcast
0: is brought to you by the fine folks at blue dot sessions check them out at www.sessions.blue also the advertisements are fake
2: uh so (laughs) 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 probably not appropriate for the blue
0: we can definitely edit